0: Nothing you hear in this program constitutes investment advice. It is an expression of opinion only. This is Frisbees, Bulls and Bears. Talking money and markets, what's happening and why. We talk to the experts, the traders, the investors and the companies they're investing in. You're listening to Frisbees, Bulls and Bears with Dominic Frisbee.
1: Hello and welcome to Frisbees, Bulls and Bears with me, Dominic Frisbee. I am sitting in Soho Square in the middle of London. Spring is in the air, the birds are tweeting and sitting next to me is Liam Halligan. Liam is an economist. He used to be the economics editor for Channel 4 News. He writes a column for the Sunday Telegraph and I've just discovered over lunch... Oh, a man's banging in the background. I've just discovered over lunch... It is Soho. It is Soho and not that kind of banging. And uh, I've just uh, discovered that Liam spent many years uh, in the 90s in Russia so he is the man to speak to about what's going on in the Ukraine uh, at the moment so why don't we start with that Liam, welcome to the show how serious is it?
2: I think it's pretty serious uh, Dominic uh, but it's obviously not nearly as serious as we thought it was just 48 hours ago um, there is tremendous fear in Crimea among the Russian majority um, that their safety has been compromised. That's why the Russian troops, uh, who were already illegally, uh, already legally in Crimea, given that Russia has a, a lease till 2047 on their naval base in uh, Sevastopol, um, have obviously been used to restore order in Crimea. There were everybody knows about the riots in Maidan Square in Kiev, but there have mm. also been much smaller rioting and a couple of unfortunate deaths uh, in the street in Crimea as well. We're now in a situation where it seems more order has been restored and hopefully now we can look forward to uh, some kind of combination of uh, another presidential election in Ukraine, uh, possibly uh, uh, this year, maybe even by May 2014, and also a referendum in uh, Crimea. Now, the main point I'd make
1: referendum whether Crimea splits from the rest of the Ukraine or not. Yeah, well, no, well, it's it's complicated.
2: Without going into the, I mean, Crimea has for years been the uh, destination of, of conquest, the the, the Greeks, the. Byzantians. Everyone's uh,
1: had a piece of Crimea. Everybody's had a piece of Crimea. That could be a, you
2: know, that could be a, a tagline for a stagnite, yeah. a, a company. Of course, this is where um, the charge of the Light Brigade, the ultimately oh, okay. doomed but glorious yeah. uh, moment in uh, Victorian uh, in Britain, me- yeah. uh, uh, happened. Uh, leading, I mean, a lot of a lot of a lot of a lot of kids are reading Tennyson these days, <laughs> uh, given that Crimea has been back in, been back in the news. But Crimea um, uh, is uh, an integral part of Ukraine. Since the early 90s, it has been an autonomous uh, region within Ukraine. Uh, It's had that status. And then the southern tip of Crimea, where Savastopol is, has been leased by the Russians to host their Black Sea fleet. The referendum will be on whether or not Ukraine um, retains that autonomous uh, um, status uh, maybe on a slightly longer lease, depending on the negotiations, uh, or whether it goes completely independent. Um,
1: what's oh, so, going back into Russia isn't an option? The Russians don't
2: want to have the whole of the Crimea, even though there are quite a lot of uh, Russian people within the Russian majority in Crimea who would quite like that, because the Kremlin feels that to take the whole of Crimea would seriously frighten the horses all Putin's critics in the West that say he's massively expansionist but then used that as their piece of evidence okay. and it would cause it would cause Russia a lot of problems on the international stage. I mean, you know, so often you hear on the mainstream media these days, oh, but when Russia took over Georgia, I mean, and then you actually read the documents, the OSCE, the Organisation of Security and Cooperation in Europe, uh, the, the report that the EU commissioned by an independent uh, Swiss diplomat into the Georgian war... That concluded, quote, that atrocities, uh, hostilities in Georgia started, uh, quote, after a massive artillery barrage by Georgia on khinvali which is the capital of South Ossetia. Yeah. Now, clearly, the Russian response, in some ways, was disproportionate. uh, uh, and Russian troops were used again to restore calm but then the Russian troops withdrew and so now South Ossetia is what it was before an autonomous region with peacekeeping troops from from both sides what I'd say is that in recent days we've seen an absolute outpouring from the mainstream British media of uh, Cold War revanchism Um, I think it's been pretty ugly actually uh, there's been absolutely no um, uh,
1: foundation in fact? No, well, the, well
2: part, partly that. There's been absolutely no recognition, Dominic, that the 2010 election, uh, where Yanukovych became president, yeah, Yanukovych isn't a, a nice guy. He's been a thug uh, in, in many ways, but he did win the election. I mean, that is unequivocal. He won the election. Clearly, the OSCE report after the 2010 election said this has been a, quote, fair election, a good example of democracy, pluralistic and competitive. They are direct quotes from the Western-backed organization to the election. And yet, because there's been a lot of rabble-rousing in Kiev by a group that's partly, you know, slightly idealistic, Um, uh, uh, youngsters, uh, partly far-right, partly anti-Semitic forces and so on. Because of their actions, the President's term now doesn't go to 2015, which is when he was elected to. It's apparently going to stop in the middle of 2014, or maybe it's already stopped. We don't quite know, because Yanukovych did a deal with the French, the Germans and the Polish on 22nd February, and then suddenly that deal was completely torn up, even though everybody had signed up to it. So I don't think the existing government in Ukraine is legitimate. Uh, everybody tells me it is, uh, but I don't remember the election. Maybe you do. Okay. Uh, um, and that is the reason why there is such concern among um, ethnic Russians in Ukraine, of course, uh, compounded by the fact that soon after the 22nd of February, uh, 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 a law, apparently, <laughs> was passed by this new government, apparently, uh, that um, the use of Russian in Ukraine was... You could no longer use Russian as an official language of business, which spooked an awful lot of people, even people in Western Ukraine who are Ukrainians, because they knew it was deeply, deeply provocative. I think it's wrong that we're trying to force Ukraine to choose between West and East. Ukraine doesn't want to do that. Ukraine sits astride the ancient ethnic fault line between... Europe and the Slavic world, if you like. Uh, Ukraine should be a tremendously successful country economically. It has the potential to be so, as well as its world-class arable land. It also has a very high level of technical uh, and mathematical education. Uh, It has a a steel sector, which could be pretty decent. It's suffered in recent years as the price of steel has gone down. Uh, but it could be forty-six million people, a really competitive, interesting country, and a
1: fine tradition
2: in heavyweight boxing, and a fine tradition in, in heavy in heavyweight in heavyweight boxing. Uh, of, of, Is Klitschko going to
1: feature at all in in the uh, in the next wave of Ukrainian politics? I think he may. Uh, you know, in the same way that Andy
2: Murray's probably going to feature in the uh, Scottish <laughs> independence referendum, you know? Everybody wants him on their side. No, he is a serious uh, person. Yeah. Um, not just as... Obviously, he's a very serious athlete, and, and and you can't take that away from him. But he has, you know, become a serious uh, uh, orator, um, public figure in general. I think a lot of people
1: have He's been, a hero there, presumably. Yeah, you
2: know, lo- a lot of people have been wrong-footed by him because he is pretty articulate. Uh, but the fact remains that... Um, a lot of people in Russia and Russian speakers in Ukraine, or ethnic Russians in Ukraine, are still pretty shocked that the election result from two thousand and ten has been completely, you know, over, over overruled yeah. by uh, street violence. Th- that's an
1: incredibly telling fact. That is an incredibly yeah.
2: telling fact, and yet we are as Westerners, as respectable Westerners, we're meant to say, oh, it's okay, there's a new government now, and we're the guys that have been telling these guys to do democracy. So, Ukraine shouldn't have to choose between East and West. All this started back in November when um, Yanukovych didn't sign up to a trade deal with the EU. The difference between what Russia was offering and what uh, the EU was offering was that Russia actually came up with the money, uh, point one. Uh, Russia came up with the market access for Ukrainian goods in Russia. The EU was loath, of course, to accept um, serious amounts of Ukrainian agricultural exports into the EU because of the CAP. And also, uh, the EU's deal would only go through if the Ukraine turned its back on its deal with Russia. Ukraine should have very close trade relationships with both the West and the East because it is, geographically and culturally, the bridge between these two worlds. This isn't Poland. This isn't Poland where... You know, the Soviet Union was an oppressor and you had lots of folk that didn't actually speak Russian and didn't want to speak Russian and so they very quickly came into the western fold and completely understandably for solid historic and psychological reasons. This is Ukraine in many ways this is the kind of psychological heart of the Russian people uh, and particularly of course to the east of Kiev um, but it's not as if um, even Russia wants Ukraine to break up because it is a natural buffer between uh, the East and the West. And yet we are constantly trying to force as Westerners Ukraine to choose.
1: OK, so this is very different to, say, the Arab Spring, which was, uh, it, for the most part, uh, uprisings against governments that weren't properly elected. That's right. and all. But in some ways it's quite similar, because
2: not only did you have... Um, um, Uh, Uprisings against governments That that weren't elected What you also had in the Arab Spring Is you had a kind of middle class You know, hard working people To use a sort of British phrase In a different context Of folk that wanted to just make their way Improve their economic lot Make life better for themselves And for their children And yet the system was stopping them Because there was corruption And they were always working for the man And there was always a bribe they had to pay And this kind of bureaucratic um, um Empire, Empire. you yeah, know the, the kind of stuff you talk about in your excellent book Dominic Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, um, uh, life after the state um, and it's similar in Ukraine what happened was once the kind of once the protesting ball got rolling, a lot of sort of you know nice middle class people with with push, with, into w- anger. with push chairs said actually ah oh, yeah we're pretty angry because we want to be a normal country you know yeah. we want we want we want to we want to get a mortgage so we can sort of you know have a house we want dental <laughs> we yeah. we want good education and we should have it because we're a civilized sophisticated people with yeah. resources and and so it, it did become an outlet for a lot of grievances about completely different things yeah and that's that's what a lot of the protesters then could tap into,
1: and, and the thing, and the thing snowballed. Okay, and presumably the the British media tapped into that into that of, feeling. Of course, than, of yeah. course,
2: because even though you know the OSCE had said Yanukovych was fairly elected, and you go back to you know articles in 2010, and you see you know Russia, Moscow correspondents writing them say it's fair, and they've said Timoshenko should move away because you know she lost, yeah. and then the same people are then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could name all of them. I know all of them. Are yeah. saying, oh, it's terrible. He's Russia's man. It's awful. Yeah, we have to have this kind of good cop, bad cop, Hollywood narrative. You know, it's like sort of Rocky Four or whatever okay. it was. And 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 the world is so much more sophisticated than that. Meanwhile, of course, um, Russia. Uh, has become an enormous trading partner, not so much of the UK, because we've been pretty mean-spirited towards post-Soviet Russia. But Germany's biggest trading partner now is Russia. Russia's biggest trading partner is Germany. You have massive FDI into Russia, second only among the emerging markets uh, to China, highest FDI per head of almost all the emerging markets, all the large emerging markets. You know, VW, Samsung, Lieber, Siemens, Pepsi, P&G, Unilever, Boeing. These companies are piled into post-Soviet Russia. That's why the notion of any kind of sanctions is just lunacy. That plus, of course, the oil and gas issue Yeah, where the EU gets a third of its oil and gas from Russia. Half of that third comes across pipelines uh, through pipelines that cross Ukraine. Germany has its own private pipeline from Russia, so-called Nord Stream, that goes across the Baltic Sea, which opened a few years ago. That puts Germany in a more interesting position. But even that spooks Brussels and Westminster, because that means that Germany can plow its own furrow, and the EU loses lots lots of its buying, negotiating power with the Russians. The Russians, meanwhile, also now have a gas pipeline, an oil pipeline, sorry, that goes east to China, and they're building a gas pipeline too. So... They are, you know. There's a lot of hype about shale. Yeah. I personally think, you know, shale is well. It's obvious to anybody who knows anything about oil and gas. It's extremely high cost production, uh, and very controversial. On top of that, and the day when shale delivers game-changing amounts to global markets is quite a long way away, I'd say.
1: Well, prices still rising.
2: You may. You, well, I guess you do agree with me. A lot of just to digress slightly. Um, people look at the gas price in america and think oh we can do the same no why is the gas price in america come down because america has a big wall around its market it's almost impossible to export gas from america because you know the spooks won't let you because they're worried about energy security that goes all the way back to you know the early 70s and the yom kippur war and so on so it's not at all clear that if um American shale gas was on global markets that America's gas price would have fallen to the extent it has. At the moment, we've got a big gas glut in America behind a big export wall. No one of the prices come down doesn't mean that we can do it in the UK.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I suppose that's my next question, my final question for you, Liam. And by the way, thank you very much. It's been a fantastic uh, interview. Is uh, We're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday the 3rd of March, I think it is. Monday saw a big down day in the stock market, the gold price rising. Today we've seen the reverse, the gold price has fallen a bit. Stock markets have rallied. Uh, The Russian ruble has rallied. Um, What are the consequences of all this? Is this just going to be another one of those kind of diplomatic, noisy episodes that doesn't really affect markets in the long? in the longer term or is it going to change the course of markets? Well of course I'm,
2: I'm not complacent this could you know today's news tends to be a bit of a calming you know the BBC stopped calling it an invasion of Crimea and it started to call it an intervention okay? because right? they've actually realised oh those troops oh so they're allowed to be in stevastopol yes they have a lease till 2047 you know like the one we've got on Cyprus yeah now you, now you get it now you get it right okay so let's use the word intervention so people have calmed yeah Calm down a little bit. Um, Putin has said um, you know he has no territorial designs on Ukraine, uh, and I think the history of his rule has actually bears that out. if any objective analysis does bear that out Ukraine is careening anyway towards bankruptcy, even if we can pull back from the brink diplomatically, it needs over the next uh, uh, few months. 10 to 15 billion big ones uh, um, to just get through the payment schedule it's an awful lot of money on punitive rates if Ukraine defaults that has you know all kinds of possible systemic dangers at the moment it only looks as if Russia's going to come up with the money what I would like to see is some kind of joint initiative spearheaded from the west not by the UK or certainly not by the US but by Germany maybe with China helping as well uh, maybe some kind of EU face-saving involvement, and maybe a bit from the IMF as well.
1: Will the adjo- German population want to bail out yet another country? Well, I think the German population would be reasonably happy
2: um, given the amount of German business there is in Russia, and they totally understand it, particularly uh, people in former East Germany,
1: yeah.
2: uh, with uh, a Chancellor who actually speaks decent Russian. Uh, they will understand that if this is the price of another sort of Anglo-Saxon misadventure, then I think they'd be reasonably happy, particularly if there was a good chance of getting their money back. And they would trust the Russians to pay the money back if okay. the Russians were backstopping back it. If we can achieve this, then I think we can get through this um, and without any kind of systemic uh, uh, problem. And of course, now this has made Russian assets even cheaper than they were. You have tremendous PEs on some of these stocks. Yeah. Um, Don't uh, touch Russia. And first if, rule of investing. And if you and if you, or as Bill Bonner says, everybody hates it. Time to buy. It, okay, right.
1: Fair <laughs> My experience is never and never again.
2: <coughs> you know, it's a, it's a strong mix. It's yeah. a, it's a heady brew. Yeah. Uh, you need you need you need a big stomach, and uh, you got to grow a pair. Yeah. Um, uh, but having said that you know valuations in this market are and across the region are incredibly low yeah with companies often trading uh, at one or two times earnings even though they've got you know many years of um, um, trading history and they're completely privately owned uh, and they're in sectors where property rights like retail transport uh, and so on are relatively secure so I can I can almost I can almost sense around us here in Soho Square the hedgies looking out, thinking, "Yeah, I, I, I could make a small, I could make a small yeah. bet here because the rest of the world is so scared."
1: Very good. Well, Liam Halligan, it's been a real pleasure. Why don't you plug your website and and your column?
2: Well, I write a column every Sunday uh, in the Telegraph. It's called Economic Agenda, uh, and I tend to post most things that I write and broadcast on LiamHalligan.com, and you can follow
1: me at Liam Halligan. Great stuff, Liam Halligan. Thank you very much.
0: Bulls and Bears is presented and produced by Dominic Frisbee To discuss the markets and have your say why not visit our forum at globaledinvestors.com that's globaledinvest.com To join our mailing list so you can be updated as soon as a new show is posted please email info at dominicfrisbee.net or simply subscribe through iTunes.